Good morning. It is so, so good to be here with all of you. Um, really great to see so many familiar faces. Um, even more fun to see some new ones that I don't know. So yeah, I grew up coming here. So um, as a child, what was it? Sundays, Wednesdays, and Fridays were my favorite days of the week. And it is not a coincidence that on each of those days I was in this building. <laughs> um, yeah, this has been home for so many years and coming back is definitely always encouraging and comforting. So it's great to be here. Yeah, and although it's the week after Easter, I think I've been really sitting in it still. But I've been finding that it's harder to transition out of it this year. And I think it's because I'm finding myself so well represented within parts of it. Well, not at all, obviously, as a white woman from 2022. Um, but really sensing this connection to this major theme that I've noticed this year in a new way, and it's this theme of disappointment. I've come to talk to you about disappointment. Aren't you happy about that? Um, but there's something about humanity that's becoming so much more real lately. Um, over the last few years, maybe it's part of growing older, I don't know what it is, but humanity has been such a striking thing lately, and we're just so <laughs> broken and beautiful and my counselor tells me to use words not like broken, so I'm still working on that because I don't know how else to describe us other than working through a lot of stuff with many layers and many complexities that somehow make us even more beautiful. Um, and you guys have had some great teaching here about Palm Sunday, so we don't need to go into that. Can skip right past that too, which is great. Um, but I used to judge the crowds especially hard. Like, how dare they sing Hosanna and then crucify him? How, how could they do that? Don't they know? Don't they know it's Jesus? Come on, they should know better than this. And just this judgment that would settle in my heart over these poor innocent people who were just humans, just like the rest of us. And, you know, everything is getting set up. Passover's coming. All of the symbolism, parallelism between Jesus and Judah Maccabee. Did you talk about Judah Maccabee? Ugh, another time then. Um, but this other revolution that had taken place, so much is symbolizing and re reminding the people of God that God did say they would be liberated. They would be set free. Passover is all about celebrating the exodus. So they're like, okay, it's time. We're going to be set free. This Jesus guy is doing miracles. This is a good sign. God's on his side. Let's go. And so Jesus goes into Jerusalem and he goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple, but it looks entirely different. And then they're like, okay, okay. Maybe he's healing people up so they can fight. Like the blind can see now so they can fight with us. That's a good idea. Um, but then he's also hanging out with children. So then they're like, what? And they wait. And they wait, and Passover draws near, holy days draw near, and they're getting angry because they're like, this was his moment. What is he doing? How is he missing this? This is his chance. Why is he not doing this? Not only that, it seemed like all the signs were leading to it. And this time around, the revolution of the kingdom of God looked so entirely different that the people missed it and didn't see the work of God. And now I go, oh, yeah, I do that too a lot. 
because we're people and we don't know. We don't see what God is doing. We can't possibly know. And nobody expected love to be the driving force behind this revolution. And if they had known that, they probably would have thought, sweet, love is on our side. Adios, Romans. But that probably and truly wasn't the case. This loving kindness of God, this mercy, this intervention that we see all throughout Scripture continues with us here today and continued around that time too. And that loving kindness and that mercy looked like an innocent man crucified, dying a sinner's murderer's death when that wasn't who he was at all. And yet we see this unexpected thing happen where he comes back forever, never dies again, and is just alive for forever. Now he's in heaven and glory and we worship him. <laughs> the end. Okay, bye. Um, just kidding. Again. But I think that there's this piece around our disappointments that keeps us from dreaming bigger, right? And I think that we really need to begin expecting the unexpected things from God or will also miss the redemptive things that he's doing, the work that he's doing around us and amongst us. Kind of like snow in April. We had this snowstorm, right? If you have me on Facebook, you maybe saw this like fun post, but in my heart I was like, people, don't they know? It always snows in April. And I don't know why this is one of those things that like fires me up. Like by now many of you have seen Pastor James throw a bit of a rant about something or other. And apparently one of the things that just like sends me into that mode is people being like, oh my goodness, it snowed. And I apologize because I'm sure some of you have thought this. And I used to think this. So who do I even think I am? But it snowed and everyone's shocked. But it's like this happens every single year. Every single year we get our pretend spring and then snow comes again. And people are like, what? But I thought it was spring. No, you didn't. You just didn't want to remember the snow was coming back. You are in denial. And a friend of mine, I was going off. So the Facebook post I made was like an edited, abbreviated, very small thing. But I went off with a couple of friends of mine from high school. And one of them had said this line. And I was like, oh, that's good. She said, it's comedic how much we fail to remember the things we don't want to remember. And I was like, oh, I'm using that in my sermon. <laughs> Isn't that true? It's not comedic. It's very deeply sad and frustrating and disappointing even in itself. But we fail to remember the things we don't want to remember. And this, again, I need you to know, this is not a judgment. This is not like, we're so dumb. We're humans. And of course, we don't want to remember the yucky stuff. Of course, we don't want to remember that the snow is coming back. And so... Some might say, foolishly, we change our tires. And then we're like, what? But it snowed. Why do mechanics even let them do it? They know what's going to happen. It happens every year. Okay, anyways. Even going back to receiving love, though, right? When we are so certain that we don't deserve it, haven't earned it, aren't worthy or lovable enough to get it, truly receiving love can be more painful than staying numb or perpetuating the cycles of hurt that we've become so comfortable in. And when the truth of our belovedness comes up against the weight of our fears and our anxieties and all these disappointments that have welled up and collected and are now pretty huge mountains behind us, 
there is going to be tension in that moment because our belovedness is so true and so entirely who we are. And these disappointments are so very real and not going away. So what do we do? And I think that whether we like it or not, these experiences we have, whether it's in the world with um, just seeing what's happening around the globe, whether it's our experiences within the church or with people, whether or not they even claim to love God, those experiences begin to shape our expectations of God. And so we have this expectation of God now that we genuinely, I don't think we do this on purpose. Sometimes we do. We're like, because of this, therefore this, which again is logic and makes sense. But I think something within our spirit, something within our heart, something within this deep place begins to expect God to let us down because it's, well, who hasn't let you down? And begins to expect, you know, um, more disappointment. I know that one of the things for me, I begin to expect being misunderstood or misrepresented. I'm like, God doesn't get me. That's, no, he doesn't understand. I begin to brace myself for attacks and then I start to harden my heart. Like, remember, I grew up in a church. I love Jesus and I've had a very good life. People are in so many different types of situations and I have extreme amounts of privilege. And even still, I can say that I feel misrepresented, (laughs) which is like nothing compared to the depth of disappointment that others have experienced and have every right to be upset by and honestly we need to be upset by too we begin i begin to prepare defenses and arguments i don't know if you guys have relationships with jesus like this but sometimes i'll be like okay i need to talk to god about this and i'm like i don't want to <laughs> and it's like but something in me is like you need to go back cuz like something in me like we're connected to god right his spirit is within us and so we're like one with God. That's the reality of us. And so this part of me is just like pulling me towards him. And I'm just like, but I know what he's going to say. And he's going to say he's disappointed. He's going to say, I have to stop doing that thing. Or he's going to say, I have to stop um, whatever, going there, doing that, seeing that, reading that, whatever it is, right? I know, right? So I prepare my defenses. Like, this is why it's okay. This is why it's not so bad. But then when I actually do end up in that place, connecting with the savior of the world, which we get to do, totally different sermon maybe, in that place I find I am known. And I'm actually educated about myself. And he's like, this is why you do this. And I'm like, oh, I didn't know why I did that. Or then he's like, this is why this happened, because of this. And I'm like, oh. But at the core, at the very beginning, the very first message is always this, I'm so glad you're here. I love you so much, which for me leads to like, (laughs) but I don't deserve it because I was doing this and that and I thought you were going to say no. He doesn't even address that half the time. Most of the time, I just need to know where I belong. I need to be reminded of my identity as a child of God, which again is another sermon about how disappointing that can be when that's not even represented on earth too, right? So as disappointing as disappointment is, unfortunately, God's response to it is not to poof it away and have it disappear. God does respond, though. And 
there's this danger in thinking, well, because he didn't act the way I thought he would, because God didn't show up in the places I thought he would, he's not going to show up. He's not here. Because look, it's still a mess. Where's God? And I think that's where this Ephesians passage really begins to become necessary for us to hold on to and to remember and to rehearse even. Because God does show up. God does respond to brokenness because Jesus is God. You came here for a very new sermon. (laughs) Don't know if you do. Jesus is God. And Jesus was our representation, our physical example of who God is. And Jesus showed up. And he always responded to the people around him. Whether he was confronting religious leaders in the synagogues or whether he was sitting at the side of a well waiting midday for a woman to appear, Jesus showed up. And it looked very different. And it even looked pretty annoying and bothersome to the people even receiving that love, right? Because we're humans. And it's hard to receive so much love as a human who doesn't see that much love around them all the time. And Wellspring is a place where humanity is embraced and where lament is welcomed. And lament is no stranger to this house. And that is so good. And I think it's so important to remember that lament can never lead us into hopelessness. And there's this difference, right? Because sometimes when you lament, you're like, this is worse than before. That's called complaining. Lament is a tool to bring us through the hopelessness because the hopelessness is real. And I'm not saying that these things don't exist. They do. And we need to be realistic about what's in front of us. We have to embrace these things. But lament is one of those things that helps us carry through the hopelessness. And then we have these passages like Ephesians 3 where Paul writes about this partnership of power and love, this, this um, importance of being rooted and established in love, about knowing this love that surpasses knowledge, all of which is ultimately possible because of God's power at work in us. Like, what? And genuinely, I'm not coming at you with answers like, this is what that means. Like, I'm just saying, wow, together? Can we wow together about this? Because this is a game changer. Because we just celebrated the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus. And that power hasn't like faded over the years. It's not like, oh, I had this candle once. Now it doesn't smell so good anymore because it's been years. It's just sitting in a box. If anything, that potency of the resurrection becomes stronger and stronger as we see it is still alive. It is still active. It is still transforming hearts and lives and minds and working in ways we never expected it to. It's a beautiful thing. And that power is alive within us and is working. It's not just chilling there for, oh, good, she said that one prayer. Now I can activate. Holy Spirit, activate. I did not expect to go there. Okay. This power is within us and working in ways we do not understand and could never understand or imagine, right? Like it says, couldn't ask or imagine. And yet it works in this completely mysterious, mind-boggling kind of way. And this love um, is not, it says that it's according to God's power that is at work within us. So that work is of God, not us. We can't just make this happen, right? 
And at the same time, somehow there's this partnership because love always requires a choice. It is a choice to love. It is, it is always a choice. If it's not a choice, it is not love, which is, again, really hard to process sometimes. But we see this in Jesus. Nobody forced Jesus to wash feet. Right before he was about to die, he chose to do that. Nobody forced Jesus to cook his traitor disciples breakfast after a long, disappointing night of fishing. He chose to do that. He chose to come to this earth and to dwell amongst us. These are choices. And what about Mary, right? Mary would have been, she literally watched Jesus die. From like life to no life. This man who had changed her entire world and given her purpose and meaning was gone. And if that's not disappointment, I don't know what is. And she could have rolled over that Sunday morning and been like, I'm going back to bed. Why would I get up? What's, why would I get up? But instead, this devotion, this love, this love that has heights we can't know and depths we can't know extends longer and wider than we could ever understand. Something was within her. Something was within her drawing her to a tomb on a Sunday morning in the place of her deepest despair. And the unexpected happened again. And she was met with her resurrected friend standing in front of her saying her name. Jesus is amazing. That is not written in my notes. That's just, Jesus is amazing. Like immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine, right? That's what, that's what the passage says. I love that we haven't even like dissected scripture yet. I'm almost done though, I promise. It's just a different kind of sermon. Um, uh, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. Like that's so much. There's no math for this. Like not only do we, not only do we have this whole mind-boggling part that means we cannot conceptualize what God is going to do. We can't even ask for it. We don't know how to imagine big enough, amazing enough, transformative enough things to ask Him for what He's going to do. But when we finally do receive this love that catches, off, catches us off guard or this peace that truly does surpass all understanding or we're met by gentleness and kindness instead of a rash word, there's more of that than we could ever measure. Like there's no buckets, there's no tape measure, like there's no form of measurement. I don't know much about math, and I think that's why I find particular joy in this, because I'm like, ha ha, math does not answer everything. And then I told a friend of this, and they're like, so there are multiple levels of infinity. And I was like, come on, what? Like, no. I didn't research, because I didn't think it would lead to good things. <laughs> but maybe I should. Hey, maybe I should. Okay, anyways. Immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. So we need, to, we need to ask the Lord, like, how do I pray? That's a question I've been doing. Because I'm like, okay, so you say you're going to do these big, huge things. I don't know what to ask for because I can only see so far. 
my experiences have only led me this far, and I have so much disappointment. Please teach me how to pray. And I think that when we pay attention, as we engage in our disappointment and as we face it and don't run away from it, as we lament and bring our requests before the Lord, I think if we continue to approach him from this place of humility and say, Lord, I just would really like to know what it is that you're doing here. I think that God will show us what is happening and it will always be redemptive. It will always be healing. It will always bring about new life because that's what he came to show us. That's what he came to tell us. Um, And so immeasurably more is the answer. That doesn't actually feel like an answer. It's kind of like a kid's answer. Like, I don't know, like, because. (laughs) Why? Because. You don't have a better answer, so you say because. Like, but that's not an answer, but this is an answer. And something within us, I hope, will begin to grasp that and hold on to that dearly and just say, okay, I don't know what that looks like, but I need to believe that this is true. We need to learn to expect the unexpected. Immeasurably more is that unexpected thing that we must begin to rely on entirely. Immeasurably more is the surprise we need to depend on happening, even though it makes no sense. Immeasurably more is the mystery that is somehow the answer to the questions that have been alive and are alive within each of us. And so I just really sensed like this, um, this passage in particular was for you guys. And when I was writing this, I was writing this sermon. I don't have a title. I was just calling it for Wellspring. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It's for that service. So this will help me find it. Um, but then I was, as I was sitting in this passage in Ephesians, it's called a prayer for the Ephesians. And I was like, oh, maybe this is just a prayer for Wellspring. Maybe today is about a prayer for Wellspring. And in the ESV, it calls it spiritual strength. And so I think if you are feeling worn out and tired and exhausted and burdened, I pray that this will help to build that spiritual strength within you, that something within you will begin to come alive as you understand that you will never understand how deep and wide and high and wide this love for you is. Yeah. So let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you so much that you are inexplainable. It's frustrating, and we don't really know what to do with that all the time. But if we had all the answers, I'm not so sure we would be in a better place. And I'm not so sure that the same joy and wonder that we get to know would exist either. Thank you for being so far beyond what we could ask or imagine. Show us how to dream bigger dreams. Show us how to ask bigger questions. I ask that faith would arise in a new way at Wellspring. I ask that hope would arise in a new way at Wellspring. I ask that joy would come to life in a new way at Wellspring and that that they would be able to experience you, Jesus, dwelling in their hearts through faith. And that they would be rooted and established in love. That they would have power together with all of the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And that they would know this love that surpasses knowledge. 
and that they would be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. We pray and we ask all of these things in your name, Jesus, and for your glory throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen.